0: Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region.
1: Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The Russia-Israel relationship, which was favorable until the invasion of Ukraine, is now a minor casualty of this war in which Jerusalem has no direct self-interest, At first, Israel tried to avoid taking a position, but American pressure to condemn Russia's policies proved too much and Moscow countered in kind. Diplomatically, verbal blows are exchanged with the Russian Foreign Ministry signaling out Israeli Foreign Minister Er Lapid for an aggressive statement, so-called, and blaming him for trying to distract attention from one of the oldest unsettled conflicts, namely the Israeli-Palestinian one. But on the military side, Israel has refrained from helping Ukraine, and Russia kept its coexistence with the Israel Defense Forces in Syria. What does it all add up to? Joining us from Central Israel to discuss this topic is Ms. Sophie Koupzantsev, who is a Research Fellow at the Institute for National Security Studies. Thank you for joining us, ma'am.
2: Thank you.
1: Also joining us from Jerusalem is Professor Ze'ev Khanin, who is an expert on Russian and Middle Eastern studies at Bar-Ilan and Ariel Universities. Thank you for joining us as well, sir.
3: Thank you to be with you.
1: Indeed. And with us here in the studio is our TV7 editor at large and host of both TV7 Watchmen Talk and Powers in Play, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the current state of play within this context of Israel-Russia relations. So,
0: our two experts here will uh, obviously expand uh, on it, Um, but uh, a few points stand out regarding uh, the latest exchange. First, even if you try to stay on the fence, both sides take offense. It never is that easy to keep neutral because uh, you end up uh, by hurting uh, your relations with in this case both Moscow and Kiev, because Israel uh, refused to send even uh, simple um, items like helmets uh, in order or vests in order to keep the uh, Ukrainian casualties down, but uh, because um, of the uh, uh, obvious Uh, Russian opposition to it, Israel refrained even from that. Now regarding the uh, Foreign Ministry's uh, statement uh, of April the 15th. First of all, it's the Foreign Ministry rather than the presidential office. So Vladimir Putin himself stayed out of it. Secondly, and this derives from the first point, it is not Prime Minister Bennett or the Israeli government But Yair Lapid personally, because apparently he made uh, some uh, statements earlier which uh, angered um, the Russians. And the third point is that they focused on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict rather than the Syrian-Israeli one where, of course, the uh, Syrians want to have their Golan Heights back in negotiations. And the Russians uh, um, at one time were, of course, um, supporting this position and probably will end up uh, demanding a return to negotiations.
1: But Even though the deputy ambassador of the United Nations, the Russian deputy ambassador to be uh, precise, did voice uh, Russian dismay regarding uh, Israel's so-called occupation of the Golan yes, Heights and and voiced uh, the the long-standing position of Moscow about uh,
0: but but not this time around not uh, uh, with uh, this uh, statement indeed and and of course uh, it has to do with the deconflicting mechanism and it seems that right now Syria is uh, not top priority for the Russians now that they are involved in uh, the Ukraine uh, they even uh, try to recruit Syrians. To fight uh, for them in the Ukraine, and they probably lowered their profile, uh, their Air Force profile out of uh, Hamimim uh, Air Base. So uh, in the most important sector for Israel, that is in Syria, where Israel is battling the Iranians and their proxies, all is quiet on the Western Front.
1: Indeed. Ms. Kob- uh, Kobzantsev, uh, I'd like to refer the next question to you. H- how do you regard the current state of affairs uh, in this relationship? And uh, should be uh, should we here in Jerusalem be concerned about uh, the latest developments?
2: So I would like to remind you, even before the invasion started, um, there was uh, even harder voices from Russia. If you could recall, there was the the GPS issues on the northern border. Uh, There was a huge, uh, massive uh, practice, military practice at the Mediterranean uh, Sea. And there was also some uh, official statements of Maria Zakharova, the spokesperson of the foreign uh, minister in Russia. So I think there was, uh, back then, they've tried to signal the West that they might set on fire the Middle East and create another crisis, not only on in, in East Europe, but also in the Middle East. They didn't do anything and the security coordination is still going on. I think that now they are trying to do some voices that are exacerbating the crisis here, but they want to keep this, the border with Israel uh, quiet. They want still uh, the, the military presence and the control in the Syrian territory, especially in the Tartarus base is very important for them. It's a strategic place for them. I, and they, I think that they are worrying more of Israeli actions in Syria than, um, than otherwise. So I think that they heard the official statement of Yair Lepid, and they are trying to kind of like signal that we can make a crisis here, but we're just uh, this is just on this is just threats on the diplomatic level, it wouldn't uh, worsen anymore. And um, they also don't want Israel to engage in the sanctions on to, or to uh, do something that will uh, compromise the the relations, the economic relations with Russia. So I think it's only signaling. And I think that they are trying to signal also to the West once again that, listen, we can make uh, and set a crisis, another crisis in the Middle East. So pay attention not only to what's going on in Ukraine, uh, pay attention also to what's going on in the Middle East. So we see it. I don't think that it will be... uh, any further than what have been stated at this point,
1: Professor Hanin, do you agree?
3: Well, okay. Uh, uh, if we are talking about Israeli stand or Israeli policy concerning the current war uh, uh, or continuation of the war, of war actually, that started in 2014, um, uh, at the current stage with the invasion uh, that uh, was initiated by Russian troops uh, on the 24th of February, uh, 2022. Uh, so, Israeli government has to take into account three major objectives. Yeah, One is the internal situation, the position of Israeli civil society and Israeli public, which also makes a sort of a pressure on Israeli government, which, uh, as uh, you all mentioned correctly, uh, as Amir said, it, uh, is trying as much as possible to sit on the fence. Second, uh, 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 mutual relations, uh, like we say in Hebrew, uh, relations between uh, Jerusalem and Moscow and Jerusalem in Kiev. As we understand, uh, here we cannot found any modus vivendi. Uh, uh, Ukrainians and Russians demand from Israeli government uh, to uh, confronting opposite things, uh, which uh, together uh, Israel is unable to fulfill. And thirdly, of course, as you also mentioned correctly, uh, we should understand that, and uh, those who make decisions in Jerusalem understand it, I guess, perfectly well, uh, in the original uh, international context, uh, that in principle, uh, Israel is uh, doing its own war with Iran. Um, It's, uh, I'm not sure whether it will be in the nearest future, the open conflict with the Tehran and so on, but uh, we are in war, in the standard of the war with Iranian proxies, and from this point of view, uh, of course, Israeli government should, should take into account, first of all, security of their own people, rather than, uh, with all the sympathy, uh, uh, security of the peoples of the other states. So, if you will permit me, uh, give me another minute, and to address very briefly to all the three points, uh, starting with their uh, uh, civil society, um, uh, Israeli civil society is pro-Ukrainian totally, as we can understand. You know, we have a sort of a Ukrainian boom in Israel. Uh, uh, exactly as it used to be in, um, uh, like, um, uh, five, six, uh, seven years ago in Ukraine. It was a sort of Israeli boom. Uh, Ukrainians are talking about Israeli example. Uh, Even now, uh, like one of the advisors of the president, uh, Zelensky mentioned, uh, Mr. Vitrovich, he said, uh, uh, on the 23rd of February, we fell asleep uh, in Europe and uh, were... and woke up uh, on the 24th of February in Israel. That means uh, uh, they understand their situation uh, more or less uh, in the Israeli terms. Uh, so um, uh, if you will take into account uh, the Russian-speaking community in Israel uh, or Olim or, or immigrants from the former Soviet Union, regardless whether they came from Ukraine, Russia, or other states, uh, it's a sort of a, for the general Israeli society, it's a sort of a reference group. Uh, in concern of understanding what is going on uh, on the Russian-Ukrainian trap and the concern of the war uh, in Ukraine. So um, uh, um, like in 2014, there were about uh, uh, 30% of the Russian-speaking Israelis that actively oppressively supported either side, but then uh, uh, like half of them, either openly or passively supported and 50% didn't support anybody. Uh, Three years later, there were only uh, 20-25% that either actively or passively supported either side. The rest said that Israel is not our war, Israel should not interfere. Uh, On the 24th of February, the situation changed dramatically, like 75% of Russian-speaking Israelis and 74% of the general Israeli public support uh, Ukraine in this conflict. On the other hand, uh, two-thirds of the Israeli public both Russian-speaking and North-Russian-speaking, actually support the position of Israeli government in this war, Uh, meaning uh, uh, humanitarian aid, meaning uh, uh, diplomatic declarations, uh, but not uh, um, uh, to be actively or actually uh, involved in the conflict, taking into account the situation here uh, in the Middle East. So what Israel is able to do uh, is actually, besides uh, sending humanitarian aid, uh, is uh, to entrust to the civil society to do more actual aid, uh, including that was uh, uh, mentioned by Amir, um, and uh, um, uh, making a coordination, a cooperation with our major uh, major allies, first of all, the United States. In the case, they will be able to provide uh, uh, armament that might change the situation on the ground, even at the expense uh, of... Uh, uh, the quota that Israel should get from the United States. Uh, let mm-hmm. me uh, not to extend more uh, in the, in uh, uh, commenting this point. Uh, uh, so um, uh, finally, uh, uh, taking the into account the situation here in the Middle East, we all understand uh, that Israel uh, uh, on the eve uh, of the uh, possible, quite possible, large-scale conflict here in the Middle East. Uh, of uh, between a, a pro-Iranian and anti-Iranian bloc. And Israel is fortunately is not the, um, uh, the single here uh, at the moment. Fortunately, we have allies, allies here in the Middle East. Uh, in this situation, um, uh, Israel is not interested to uh, open the um, uh, uh, another front with Russian Federation. Russian Federation is not interested to open front against Israel. Uh, but um, uh, that is why uh, talking about statements uh, uh, from the all different Israeli parties, they are not much different from the statements uh, until recently from let's say, uh, NATO, state, uh, NATO states, European states. They declare their unacceptance and uh, uh, declare uh, their um, a, a, they are talking about uh, sanctions against Russia. Still at the moment. Um, Russia gets from Europe uh, like a billion dollars a day uh, 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 in in exchange to uh, uh, oil and gas and so on and so forth. Uh, It might decrease uh, in the nearest future, but still, you know, uh, uh, in practical terms, uh, Israel is doing what it's Indeed. able to do, especially if, uh, uh, in case of uh, decreasing, de-escalating the conflict and coming to uh, a sort of uh, uh, pacifying the issue. Uh, whether it's possible or not, uh, it, will, it will be clear for us in, very, in the very near future. If uh, 60% or 65% of Israeli public believes that Israeli go- government is doing well or handling well this conflict, we might say uh, that in the nearest future we will see more of the same.
1: Indeed. Mr. Ogan, uh, sitting on the fence, as you mentioned, and and, uh, our other distinguished uh, experts have uh, noted as well, uh, has not come uh, kindly by the Americans specifically, who are in a stage of demanding that the international community chooses sides. Each state can decide for itself, but it needs to decide right if it would like to be in favor with the Americans. How has this impacted Israeli decision-making, considering the fact that It needs to, of course, keep in mind, even though uh, there is no Russian interest to exacerbate uh, tensions with Israel in Syria, there is still a very unique relationship there, and Israel will not relent from ensuring its red lines are kept.
0: So there is the um, public level on which discourse is being undertaken, and there, you are right, uh, there was uh, a lot of displeasure by the Americans uh, because of the Israeli uh, policy of trying to remain uh, neutral. One response to that was that behind closed doors, if Naftali Bennett wants to be one of the uh, honest brokers between Russia and the Ukraine, although why uh, would they need him and not uh, Erdogan or any other uh, mediator, uh, remains obscure, but nevertheless, it's a good pretext. I can't condemn Putin if I'm going to try to uh, have him concede something through me to, to uh, Zelensky. Nevertheless, uh, the United States understands Israel's unique position. Um, Israel doesn't want uh, to uh, interfere with Russia's position in the Vienna talks. Uh, vis-a-vis Iran uh, on the nuclear side. And by the way, there are two other uh, perhaps more symbolic or less significant issues on the table. One is what is going to happen in early May on the uh, victory day in Europe, which uh, for Putin is a very important date and uh, he wants Israel to commemorate it uh, the Russian way and uh, focus on the Russian contribution to the victory over the Nazis, especially now that he's trying to depict Ukraine under its current uh, management as some extension of what uh, happened then. And the other one is that all dispute over um, a czarist Russian asset in Jerusalem, um, uh, What uh, started under Tsar Alexander has to do with the Orthodox Church. We won't get uh, into all of the details, but the Russian government expects Israel. It went to the courts. Now the courts um, uh, turned to the political echelons, said, you make the decision, and this is something uh, which Russia expects from Israel to give it, regardless of what happens in the Ukraine.
1: Indeed, and there have been already overtures by the Israeli government under Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the former prime minister, uh, when they gave uh, Alexander's court and and other aspects as such.
0: And it's part of a deal regarding uh, an Israeli uh, lady uh, who uh, was uh, sent back to Israel, uh, released from prison.
1: Indeed. Well, uh, I'd like to ask Ms. Kobzantsev when we're looking at specifically the the ongoing uh, strategic rivalry or conflict between Israel and Iran Uh, and I'd like to touch particularly on the suspended negotiations uh, in Vienna which have of course uh, Had Russia as as one of the members of the p5 plus 1 negotiate uh, with the Iranians to what degree do? uh, the Russian diplomats take into account uh, Israel's concerns uh, with regard to Russian armament and, and aspirations on the nuclear file?
2: So uh, the Russian side in this uh, in this agreement is important because they are in charge of the some of the technology and um, uh, They the, the, the in charge it in they have a part in this agreement that they have to um, to, to, to do, uh, I think that if we recall also about a month ago when Bennett uh, went for his first visit to Russia, it wasn't about the, the the Israeli government stated very clearly that it doesn't has to do anything with the nuclear deal. But um, we can see that few days after there was some uh, publications in the Russian media that referring to this Iranian deal, and they um, increased that uh, they are very much worried, and they even uh, put a condition on the, uh, on the table that says that they wouldn't sign the agreement if there will be sanctions over the trade between Iran and Russia. So I think that uh, taking into account that they have a a great, uh, that they need to play a part in the deal. um, That the Iranian technology is dependent on, uh, the nuclear Iranian technology is dependent on the Russian technology. um, And the fact that they want uh, to have a free trade is because of the oil prices. With Iran, I think that's why the negotiations uh, right now have been slowing it plays a part for israel and because the agreement right now is not it's not good for israel but it's also not good for uh, many for uh, major uh, major state countries and strategic countries that are the important allies of uh, of united states such as saudi arabia and we see how saudi arabia for example didn't agree to increase the um the oil production uh, when, uh, when the Americans asked it. So we see that uh, there was also the the tokens in the OPEC plus over the oil prices. And, uh, and, and we see that Saudi Arabia didn't agree. And it's kind of turning back to the Americans because I think that they worry of the Iranian agreement. It's bad for them as well. And um, so as far as we see it now, there is a kind of another geopolitical game that Israel can gain from it. And Russia has a, has a, has a great role in it as well. Um, and it's also another uh, kind of, um, it's another uh, a, a card that Russia can play in order to create another crisis. It's, as it's also, it's part of its strate- strategy. To create crises in the world, so uh, and the Americans wanting to sign this agreement as fast as they can, and and we see that it's not, it's not happening. So I think that this is another card that they play with in order to extend as much as they can, and to uh, maybe create another leverage on the Americans on that. Um. So yeah, I think we need to take into account as far as we know that. Uh, what's going on in this agreement because much of it is... uh Is not published
1: remains obscure indeed. Uh, Well, I'd like to ask you professor Khanin, if uh, you could do so shortly because we don't have very much time left Uh, the Russians do have interests when it comes to the development of uh, uh, Iran's civilian nuclear infrastructure, of course, uh, it has at this stage 23 separate projects all over the world uh, Three of which uh, or three of which are in the Middle East including Turkey uh, and Egypt Which uh, the Egyptian one is uh, a joint venture also with uh, the Saudis, but uh, when we're looking at the Iranian file, there are plenty of uh, Russian interests on that specifically. Nonetheless, when uh, I communicated with uh, various petitioners regarding the 2015 uh, nuclear agreement uh, at that time, pre-agreement and post-agreement, practitioners, both in Europe as well here in Israel referred to Ambassador Ulyanov as being quite... uh, um, Uh, favorable with regard to Israeli guarantees, with regard to Israeli concerns, to ensure that uh, those concerns are taken into account. Uh, It seems like now the precarious situation is more complex. What can you tell us about this? Will this, in your uh, perspective, um, advance Russian leverage over Israel or the other way around? Uh,
3: I think it's both. Actually I have not much, uh, much more to add. Uh, to what you already said, uh, or said by Mr. Kabzantsev. Actually, I would say that uh, um, Russian interest in Iran uh, will go uh, to three points. First of all, as it was said, uh, they're interested in getting uh, uh, additional resource from there, uh, um, uh, Russian uh, nuclear technology, uh, in case they will be developed there, should bring to Russia about $10 billion, uh, which uh, they understand uh, would be very helpful and very important in case uh, Europe will decrease uh, the import of Ukrainian, uh, excuse me, uh, of uh, Russian uh, gas and oil. The, the second point: uh, uh, the interest present to the world that they have their own allies. Uh, not everybody in the world stand for Ukraine. There are some countries, that thought stand for uh, for, for uh, Russia. And uh, I- exactly the case that Ukraine is interested to connect uh, Europeans and Israel. Uh, uh, on their side, uh, uh, in Kiev they understand that Israel is unable in military terms to do much in spite of the fact that we will probably will know uh, besides what we will know in 30 years. Uh, but uh, uh, exactly in the same way, uh, Russia is interested to show that all their traditional allies, uh, China, Syria, and Iran, are, and some of the countries in the Middle East are on their side. Uh, even now, uh, uh, it could be proved by the fact that Iran does provide sort of an armament to Russia. And finally, uh, uh, in Russian terms, uh, they are not interested that somewhere in the world, uh, it will be an understanding that Iranian oil will be a good exchange for the Russian oil and gas. Indeed. Uh, uh, so that means that uh, <laughs> all the three objectives make the position of the Russian government is not so easy.
1: Indeed. Mr. Oren.
0: Um you know, uh, 14 years ago, uh, when uh, Russia fought uh, Georgia, the Russians uh, were not too happy with some uh, Israeli help, even if it was a private uh, uh, companies, private contractors to Georgia, and Israel learned the lesson that it should uh, stay out. Now, Israel doesn't have an interest, not only a humanitarian interest, of course, but geostrategic in the prolongation of the war. Just like the Iran-Iraq war of the 1980s, it is best for everyone for this war to stop on negotiable terms.
1: Indeed. Well, this is all the time we the war for today. I'd like to thank Ms. Kops- uh, Sanskev. Uh, Professor Khanin and Mr. Olin for being part of today's program and I'd like to thank our viewers as well and we will see you next time
0: Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast For more content on Israel and its region we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media